0: No chance.
1: Everybody, episode 63 of the no chance podcast as always your hosts ryan and nate thank you guys for coming out or at least listening to us man like we we strive every week to get this out on time and we we grinded man we grind hard to make sure we're we stay on top we're on top of our game yeah. man
2: we've been pretty busy this week since we have the event coming up next big friday events. so big event got a lot going on but we thought we should you know sit down and So sad the time to crank out an episode. Exactly,
1: man. Like we gotta we don't we don't want to forget about our roots, man. The podcast is where it starts, the podcast is where it ends. But like Nate said, we got a lot of things that uh, are deriving from the podcast. We got a big event on November twenty third, Black Friday in San Francisco. If you're Bay Area local, if you're I don't know if you're coming home for Thanksgiving and your family's in the Bay Area, man. Come out, come visit us. Don't don't hesitate. Don't worry, man. We're nice. We don't bite. We're not those intimidating Look, dudes at a streetwear store.
2: Do you really want to spend time here with your family, That's or true. do you want to come get drunk with us? That's true. You man. Take your pick.
1: That's true. Come come, cop some some merch. We're gonna we're gonna have it. We're gonna have merch. Can I tell you guys real quick how difficult it is to work with printers, man? Like, just from our experiences within the past week and a half. Oh my God, I don't. I I just don't understand. How or no? Why people don't check their emails on a day-to-day basis? It I it baffles sure me. I'm on my email like every day. You know, you know why I check my email? Because there's potential money in those emails. I have there's a potential opportunities in those emails. Let me see. Got to stay on top of it. That is a, um, a trick of the trade, man. If you are any any serious about what you're doing, if you got a business, if you're trying to do
2: something, shit. There might be some money in your emails, man. I have five over five thousand unread emails oh, no, you're in your true Spanning my four email accounts. <laughs>
1: well, I, technically, I gotta check my emails on a day to day basis because I got I got I got a crazy amount of credit card bills, <laughs> so I gotta know when they're due. Um, but thank you guys for joining us, man. Episode sixty three. Can I, we first start off by saying rest in peace to the God Stanley, man, ninety five years old. Lived a fucking life, man. Crazy five yeah. years old, man. A lot of a lot of deaths in the past couple months, man. R.I.P. to Mac Miller as well. I feel like we mentioned that in an old episode. But what are some some of your first like recollections of like just like Marvel comics or like some of your favorite Marvel movies, man?
2: Well, I just one of my first memories of knowing who Stan Lee was was I, I forget exactly what movie it was, but you know how he always makes a cameo always, man. Yeah. Those Marvel are some movie? of the best. I was waiting for it. It was my dad that pointed out. He's like, You see that guy over there, like in the back? He's like, Yeah, that's him. Like, he created like all these characters. And as a little kid, I was like, Oh shit. Like, he created these characters. He's the one who did all these comic books. And he's actually in the movie, too. Yeah. He's like, it's So sick. If shit, if
1: I made those characters, yeah. I want a cameo, too. Yeah. Shit, I want my names in the credits. Yeah. But I, I, I just want to say, like, this guy, not only has he, he's been involved in streetwear. Like, you got to think about all the collaborations that, like, you, some of your favorite collaborations, like Stussy did some crazy shit with like the Silver Surfer and, and X-Men collaborations. Like he's done some shit within streetwear. And sometimes like, man, like you'd never know unless you really paid attention to like early, early shit. Like, and yeah. they've done stuff with, um, I think with like Babe, like Spider-Man and Babe and shit like that. And um, and rest in peace to the God, man. Like Marvel Comics. I'm, I was always a Marvel Marvel person. I love the human Same. torch. That was like my favorite fucking character. And the fact that it's Michael B Jordan or he, it was Michael B Jordan, right? At one point in the in like the the remake of the the Fantastic Four oh, movie. Oh, in the remake. That was my favorite. Also the first movie had Jessica Alba and that definitely sold me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But we have a good episode for you guys today, man. I had the pleasure of of, of interviewing, in a very, very overdue interview with my little brother, um, owner and co-founder of Jaded Course, a streetwear brand based out of San Francisco, California. Very, very impressive, I may add, um, to see somebody actually take something from Idea and manifest that into something that actually makes you money. Like, shit, applause to you, man! Uh, but we had the pleasure of interviewing him, which we're gonna air uh, closer to the end of this interview. So stay tuned for that. A lot of you brand idealists, people who want to start clothing brands, people who are having trouble with their brands, man, it's definitely uh, a segment that you guys are going to going to want to listen to. Uh, but right now, like, we're gonna start doing it in the beginning of every episode because there's so much random shit in the world of streetwear. let's shoot some shit real quick about some of these some of these topics and just rifle off our first impressions on what we feel because streetwear can be pretty ridiculous at times and um, we're going to use this moment to highlight that so uh, one of the first ones i want to talk about is and haven't really been in the news lately anti-social social club does a collaboration
2: with honda fire or not (laughs) not fire but like you said earlier when we were talking about it perfect fit
1: perfect fit perfect very sensible to that of and we can say it the asian community oh they know their
2: demographic very well
1: Their demographic very well um we like to wear the brands that are part of our lives and for those that wear um, anti-social social club our Honda is very, Yo, very if you got that VTEC us. go cop that anti-social hoodie alright go cop that <laughs> alright alright that, that, that there's really not much to say about that because my first impression was are you fucking serious yeah but at the same time it's like oh they are like they're really backing this yeah. thing heavy so shout out to you guys for knowing your I can't say
2: like shit things. I drive a fucking Honda so. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly Um. alright uh, let's talk about another collaboration real quick cool. let's talk about uh, Disney and Kappa Kappa being like the it's fucking out of the woodworks, man! Like, Crazy
2: in the past, like two, three years. Just because they
1: make like, I guess it's just a combination of an all-over print mixed with the the track pant fad. Yeah, they just. Pull I think this it's their logo
2: of. too. Like the two, the two girls. girls sitting down. I think there's just something about that logo that people are like, "Oh, it's fucking." Edgy. It's a very ominous yeah. logo.
1: Like it, it's it's a soccer like man, like it's soccer merchandise company, yeah. right? Like that's where they they started with uh whatever <laughs> it's just like a, it doesn't make sense but i mean i get it like you guys are the most like at this point maybe like top three brands in urban outfitters right now all right name the other two fila fila and i would say i'm going champion champion tied with stucy is like a big a big mm, one in urban Outfitters. i don't know all right maybe champion all right we can uh agree on champion um but Disney obviously has a weird foothold in the streetwear industry. They're just, they're just with doing, it. they're whores. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just whores in the streetwear industry. So, don't, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, that's just kind of like a throwaway topic, to be honest. Like it's cool, <laughs> but it, it just. It, I think just like, it's, eh. it's definitely like a reach. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Like I would the, say so. They're definitely
2: collaborations that on the surface don't really make sense. Like for instance, we, talk, we were talking about the Palace Ralph Lauren yeah. collab the other day. Like okay on the surface maybe that may not make sense but once you think about it it's like okay it kind of clicks. Yeah. But yeah. like Disney and Kappa <laughs> service level doesn't make sense and then you think about it for like 5 minutes it and you're like okay I still have nothing. Sense. I'm I still Yeah, I'm like trying everything. to think it was like why did I write this down? Like yeah. what
1: is the significance of this? Yeah. Um okay, so this is a, this is an interesting one because we've been talking a lot about how uh, not only I think we talked about it in a recent episode about just like how sort of the, the the salesman mentality of streetwear has expanded into that of these larger distribution companies like Amazon, right? Amazon is the leading conglomerate in regards to wholesale, retail goods, um, express shipping, get your shit there in an hour. Um, they recently just did a collaboration. And, and I don't know if you have a little bit back, a, a bit of a backstory on this brand, but ambush yeah um ambush and amazon collaborated on a collection uh, basically speaking about really just putting two very um i wouldn't say ambush is iconic at this point but putting two things that people in pop culture know of together on a shirt as many collaborations um, tend to do nowadays but putting two very familiar things together um seem to be like the whole point of their collaboration. I think one of the things that they had mentioned is having Amazon on their clothing was a symbol of, you know, being premium and being, I guess shipping shit fast. I don't understand exactly the essence behind having a collaboration with Amazon, but I know that there's um, a particular twist there on on why they decided to do that.
2: Uh, I think it had to do with Amazon fashion week in Tokyo. Uh, so I think they partnered with Amazon Fashion Week, which is apparently a thing now. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And Ambush is based in Tokyo. their Japanese label. Um, they were like really well known. They're really well known for their jewelry design. That's how they kind of started out. Um, but they're now like a full fledged clothing brand. Like Amazon Fashion Week. Yeah, that sounds kind of crazy. It's like it. I, I honestly have not read up on it very much, but it's I mean, a thing in Japan. Yeah. I mean, like, you got to be a pretty
1: big ass company to to be able to throw like your own week or your own yeah. day. So, um I think like the collaborate like it's it's going to continue to happen. Like yeah. these types of collaborations are going to continue to happen, you know, like if you look at Vetmont's like early collaboration, or not even collaboration it just rips on that of like DHL and like like the shipping companies, right? There's a reason why we we tend to in I'm speaking for streetwear that we tend to gravitate towards these companies, not only because we utilize them in the day-to-day operations of our brands, but there's something about them that brands tend to resonate with. And I don't understand why <laughs> exactly, Yeah, but I think we just love iconography and just major fate, like actual, like worldwide iconography. That's why you always see like the McDonald's rips and the, um,
2: Louis Vuitton rips It's anything that's mainstream. We want to put our own spin on it. I think it's also like taking some of like the most mundane things. So for instance, like DHL. Yeah. Like that's not, a very, you would never see. That's not a yeah. very exciting company. Like, yeah, they ship shit. Great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> great. Ooh, big, big fucking fascinating, deal. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, great. Um, but just like giving it, like you said, putting your own spin on it and kind of making it, making it interesting. Yeah. Like why, why should I care about DHL? And why isn't a t-shirt, you know, it's yeah. just like, it's, it's almost like the shock value of like DHL, like why the fuck would I wear that? But then you're like, wait, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I would wear that.
1: Exactly. My favorite, my favorite most mundane rip is like, um, you know, the little umbrella girl that's on the morning salt. Yeah. That's always my favorite. I love when brands rip that one. Cause it's like, it's something that you see every day, Yeah. but you just don't think that it has any characteristic of being like
2: style. Yeah, like you said earlier with iconography, that's such an iconic image. Yeah. If you show that to pretty much anyone, I bet, or at least anyone, I guess in the U.S. Yeah, no matter how old it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. People are on all kinds of salt shit lately. <laughs> Pink Himalayan sea salt, and that's the conversation. That's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Different podcast. <laughs> Listen uh, to our food podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's about iconography and streetwear yeah. really gravitates towards iconography. It's an essential part of what streetwear is kind of like jumping into like this world of like the the unknown like can i do this can i make this cool you know like
1: i'm sure at one point like i'm sure i'm fucking dead dead serious when i say this i'm sure kanye knew that gilded made shitty stuff like i'm positive that he knew that that wasn't the best the greatest quality yeah kanye's not stupid yeah you know what i mean he's in fucking paris like Like interning at one of the biggest fashion houses. You don't think that he knows that he's printed on bullshit material to be ironic. You know what I mean? Like it's to make that stuff cool that makes you feel better about like it almost gives you like a bit more clout to be like, oh, I made gilding cool, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's not, and I don't know for him, I think it's less about what the t-shirt is printed on and it's more so about what the t-shirt is like what yeah. is going on the t-shirt you know yeah no totally believe that and also like the money yeah
1: <laughs> the money the is check. the money is huge yes yeah. um speaking of kanye right and yeah. you i i think you gave me the heads up when it when it when it came on but uh camp flognaw i think it's a fourth annual uh camp flognaw um tyler creator throws this giant carnival every year and brings all these acts together but for the first time we saw um kid cuddy and Kanye West performed together yeah. in their ensemble. I wouldn't even call it an ensemble, but their, their collaborative group called kids, See Ghosts. Um, there's a lot of memes of Kanye acting a fool, uh, <laughs> dancing pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Cuddy and Kanye, what were your What were your first impressions after seeing that shit? I, was it good? What'd you think? I did you watch the set? I watched it. I yeah. watched it from from beginning to. I end. I
2: thought it was really good. The song choice is really good. The set design was cool, even though uh, who said Lord? Lord, yeah, irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, fake news. <laughs> I think we were literally just talking about her the other day. we were like, uh, what's like a? No, anyways, uh, it was cool. I actually enjoyed it. You know, it yeah. was, it reminded me of like, old Kanye performances. And to have... Perform, him, yeah, yeah, performance. And to have him with Kid Cudi, too. And just, like... Honestly, all the other sets before him were kind of weak, if yeah. you saw that, like... Yeah. I watched Post Malone. He, that, he came on right before. That was kind of... A lot of lip-syncing, yeah. stuff like that. But not very energetic. No. Threw no. his beer cup into the crowd. Yeah, I was like, I would have been hot if that hit me. Do you like... Okay, maybe...
1: I don't think I've ever been this close to the front of a, of a concert, but would you be upset if
2: the hype man or the artist just threw water? I wouldn't be upset. It depends we'll how much, like, oh. no, nah, it depends how much water, honestly, like at these things I'm fucked up anyway. <laughs> yes, it's like, true. I'm like, yo, hydrate me, hydrate <laughs> <I laughs> <need> me. <laughs> I, just, I, need I need it. I need it. I know. Just, just throw me the whole water bottle. No, you're like, right. You're right. Cap, don't just keep the cap on. <laughs> they just throw it to you at like a hundred yeah.
1: miles per hour. Like, like full I'll take it, But, uh, No. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I would either, but I just feel like sometimes it's like, God damn, man. Like sometimes people wear their their best fits to a concert. Very fucking true. I just paid like a hell of money for this shirt. Yeah. You guys are just wetting me. Worst. Okay. Nah, you know what I mean by that. But, um, I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, I, I like how they perform their, their exclusive songs, like their own personal singles that you don't tend to hear all the time, yeah, which is really cool. Like to really hear, um, too. Paranoid was really, yeah, really so tight. Good. Um, and I'm sure like Tyler had a, like a, a, a bit of an edge in like telling him like, he's like, Hey, you can, perform you just, this, can you just play you know? this real quick? That's the great thing about like curating a concert is that you can like, if you always wanted to hear a song as a kid. You could be like, hey, perform this song. Like, I need you to perform this Please. song. And he barely knew, like, any of the lyrics to his own song, so which is really good. funny. Um, but I thought it was good. I, I don't know. Like, um, the energy, like, between the two of them was, like, it was a bit off. Maybe because I'm so used to seeing Cuddy as he was maybe, like seven eight years ago and just him being like this energetic like like character seeing him in like how to make it in america and just interviews but knowing like everything he's gone through and all that stuff and it's him just kind of like fading away from like the 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 humming game is like it's just one of those things where it's like okay like i I just gotta appreciate that he's like actually doing this because i don't think he's on tour or anything he's not like doing it doing it anymore so I give him a pass, but other than that, like I feel like it was okay. I I, I was happy to see it though. It Let, cool. All right, let's
2: let's take a step back and let's bring this back to the world of streetwear. Okay, what did you think of the merch? Wow, I I was impressed. Yeah, I was impressed. Like I, I think I don't know if you heard about like
1: the whole debacle with like Kanye quote unquote designing uh, merchandise for um some lady that uh fuck I don't have the backstory. Yeah, but if you guys know the backstory, you know what I'm talking about. Um some lady misused his name in de- designing some shitty ass merchandise. Oh
2: the uh the uh fuck. It was a, it was it, very, had, it was like a very politically charged uh it
1: was like Blexit or something yeah, like yeah, that. Basically yeah, basically promoting people to jump from de- Democrats to Republicans, yeah. whatever. But um it provoked Kanye to be like Y'all, you all really think that I designed some shitty ass merch? Fuck it, I'm out of politics. Like yeah. that—that's that. Literally, it was what took him over the top to be like, "Fucking, I'm out of this." Thing. Yeah. Like the merchandise, like for crazy. Him? Um, but yeah, like the merchandise was tight, um, very like cactus
2: plant flea super, market. I, super, super good. Help design that? I'm pretty sure they did.
1: I feel like they did. I feel like they had a, a, a at least an input or, well, or at least was like the inspiration. I know
2: Kid Cudi was teasing that cactus plant flea market kitsy ghost merch but i don't know if they designed the camp camp flog merch too wow Well,
1: i technically it is their first like version of merchandise so maybe i mean i I could imagine them doing it it looked like it that's for for at least what i saw but one thing one thing that always like baffles me and we're trying to create merch right now like we're going through the process literally gonna do that right after we record this yes exactly but one thing that i just completely don't understand is like when I see a fire graphic and as abstract as that was like seeing the kids see ghost merch, I'm like, how the fuck do you come up with that? Yeah. And just be okay with it. You know, like nothing is like tier, nothing's like aligned. Like how do you just feel okay with that? I don't know like how designers do that and just like have a hundred percent confidence in what to most people can look at it as being like, Yo, you're breaking all the rules, right? Yeah.
2: Now. But I think that's what makes it cool. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it cool. It's like not a lot of people, I mean, okay, a lot of people are doing it, but Yeah. at the same time, it's kind of it kind of breaks tradition like with a lot of brands you just see like very neat, very clean, yeah, like yeah. a very neat, very clean aesthetic. Like yeah, it's great and all, but it's also I mean, we've seen that before. It's like a very unorthodox way of doing it, but it and it's not even it's not even because it's a kid Cudi
1: Kanye merch. It's just by itself solely by itself exclusive of anything
2: else it's fire and by far this is like nothing new like people have been doing not at all crazy shit with t-shirt design since forever yeah since t-shirts were fucking invented in in the year of our lord 1765 (laughs) yeah but
1: but yeah seriously like it, it turned out really good and um Fuck man, I, just, I I don't know what they're smoking, but whatever it is, I Dude, need that. I, need, I that. need that creative inspiration. All right, next one, a really random thing that I came across, and you you pointed out to me as well, and this was actually off of a paid um, YouTube ad, which was really weird. Yeah, but it was Nego and Human Made. Human Made being his like his like newest brand off of off of Bape. Um, they drew in a collaboration with fucking KFC.
2: Yes. Kentucky fried chicken. <laughs> I yes. don't
1: so I don't know understand or I don't I don't know about you guys but if anybody's ever traveled overseas just know that the KFC in your hometown is nothing like that of the KFC overseas. And I say that to say this, KFC overseas is fucking good as shit. I don't know what it is that other countries put into their chicken or whatever. It might just be actually real chicken. But they're putting some 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 cultural flavors into that shit that's that just fucking blows my mind. But Nego and human-made collaboration with KFC, how does that even come about?
2: <laughs> like what the fuck? Well, I have no answer. I'm sorry. Like I who who hit who up first? <laughs> yeah. Did Nego like slide into the DMs of KFC, like, hey, wanna do a collab? And then KFC was like who the fuck
1: is this guy? <laughs> Who is this Nina? guy? Based out of, I'm assuming, based out of Kentucky. Yeah. That's just my my They have first to be. Dude, if <laughs> they're not, I'm going to wait. Hold on. Let's so up. inauthentic if Kentucky Fried Chicken, actually, they're not even called Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore, yeah, they right? Are. No. What? Didn't they like rebrand their name? Mm-hmm. I feel like they, at, at some point, they wanted to rebrand their name to be things. Other than fried chicken.
2: Oh, okay, thank God they are they They're are headquartered of... in Louisville, Kentucky. All right, cool. Authentic Jeez. to the bone. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the just... chicken's not real. though. Yeah. that's not authentic. <laughs>
1: um, but but just off of that, like we see Nigo, we see like a Hiroshi Fujiwara, we see these guys as like being like the it guys in Japan, right? Yeah. They love and craft a lot of what they do in terms of design, um, and their brands around around much what a lot of people in Japan do around traditional American shit. Yeah. KFC. I could, I could totally see that they've been around. For, did, was there a founding date when you were looking at it? Uh, how long have it, how, how long has KFC been around? Cause I, I know, I know like McDonald's has been around for a long ass time. 1930. 1930. That's a, that's a, that's a, a long period of time. That's we're almost hitting on a hundred years of KFC. Yeah.
2: And like that, at the, I mean at that point you deserve to be called a an American-made brand. They are fun fact, they are the second biggest fast food chain behind McDonald's. Wow. Which I did not know.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. I don't see them as often. No. Maybe it's because Popeye's is way better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a first like that is uh, there's no lie behind what, that. What's at your all. take on Church's Chicken? Church's Chicken will make you go shit. I mean, all three will. Great. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, Church's Chicken. You may or may not get food poisoning from it, um, but more often than not, it can taste better than the other two. Okay. But it depends on where you get it. You have to get Church's Chicken in the ghetto, in the hood. If you don't, actually, are there Church's Chicken outside? In the of suburbs?
2: The hood? I don't think so. I don't think no. so. Okay. All right. Well, then that we point... We should really sorry. start a food podcast. I yeah. mean, it's, like, it's kind of
1: lit. <laughs>
2: That'd be tight, actually.
1: Yeah. Or actually. If you guys would like to hear me and Nate just eat food while we talk about streetwear, that could be its own that niche could podcast in so. You would just hear a bunch of chewing on the podcast. It might get it kind of annoying. But um There might be some people that are kinda of into that. You know, you know there is an actual niche for people that like to hear people eat food. Yeah. Like they just have high definition um I mean that's not me, but I'm just saying, yes, I know it exists. It's, it's pretty satisfying. If you listen. <laughs> okay, that's kind of weird. I want you guys to do this. If when you are starving, right? If you're really really hungry, I want you guys to go on YouTube and type in like person eating fried chicken and just listen to that and you're going to you're going to start to feel your mouth salivate. It is uh, the most pleasurable experience and please take my word for it. It is fucking crazy. It's getting a little it, weird. It sounds amazing. I I'm divulging, but um yeah, I mean KFC traditional American shit, Japanese love that stuff. Makes sense.
2: I think there's a connection
1: there. I think I think it's just, I mean, obviously McDonald's is kind of overdone. Yeah. I've never seen Streetwear do anything with KFC. Um, I'm down with it. Am I going to eat it if I go to Japan? Hell yeah. <laughs> Am I getting like a human-made box? That's going to be fine. That's kind of sick. That's tight.
0: Okay. All I right. can
1: imagine how cool that's going to be. I'll work. let that one slide, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right, Nigo, you get a pass on that yeah. one. But I want to talk about the biggest thing here, and this can lead into a larger conversation. But I want to make sure that we get to get to the interview in a bit. There's this whole new—I wouldn't even say new—but there's this new, reinvigorated Nike SB like yeah. interest all of a sudden. I, mm-hmm. I don't know where it comes from. I think it kind of solely comes from that of Travis Scott just wearing Nike SBs like it's like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like wearing all the old ones, etc. But. Um, the dunk that started it all, which is like the tag that they tend to use all the time, the Nike SB Diamond Supply Tiffany dunk um, that kind of started all the rage of like sneakerheads and stuff like that, re-released, or not re-released, but released its second iteration of the Diamond dunk. Um, it had like a tearaway swoosh that you could interchange. You could have two swooshes on it. Um but they released it again yeah right in the midst of this big um revamping of nike sb dunks what, do you, what is your first impression on on that release obviously it is probably one of the biggest nike sb releases in a minute but
2: in me, me. i would say in probably the last few years yeah definitely um i actually i, I was a fan of the second iteration of the dunk yeah. uh i like the colorways like the canaries were sick um the white ones were dope. The yep. black ones are sick, too. Uh, I just... I don't know. I like it. I, I like the original Tiffany Dunk. Like, back then, if you had it in real school, you were the shit. Oh, hell yeah. Like, you were the fucking man. You had, had that some that money. Shit. Yeah, exactly. You had some money. Um, I liked it. I... I don't know. I, I don't think I would go out of my way for it, though. You know? Yeah. Like... I get it. SB's are "quote unquote" coming back, as Sean Witherspoon likes to say, yeah. because you know, to him, SB's never left. If you he really a with, maker. <laughs> yeah, if you really fucked with SB's, you know, you would know that they never really left. Yeah. To some people, but um, I like the collab. I like it. I think they did a good job of kind of stepping away. They it could have went really poorly. They oh, could have yeah. just rehashed the same colorway, same design, and been like, okay, here it is. You yeah. know, Tiffany 2.0. Like, I love it. you,
1: Jeff Staple, but that Black Pigeon, it just wasn't it. It, in was, my, it was okay, in like, my at opinion. best. But, but um, yeah, like, to your point.
2: You know what I'm saying? I, so I think they did a good job in kind of taking a step back and kind of taking it in a new direction, kind of bringing some new life into what a Tiffany SB dunk is. Yeah. And, you know, like, you expect tif, like a Tiffany dunk, Diamond Supply dunk. You fucking expect, like, Tiffany Blue. Yeah. But I like that they kind of stepped away from that and chose to go in another direction. So yeah. I like that. And they play this this realm of,
1: of being premium,
2: but not at the
1: same time, which yeah. is cool. And the fact that they chose that canary yellow to resemble that of the canary diamond and, and exposing people to this other world of, of just like... Gem knowledge is I thought it was a really cool twist. And yeah, the fact that they made it out of 250 pairs in the world obviously made it a little bit more sought out after. Yeah. And you had to do it that way because or else I mean just it's just another general release. Yeah. There has to be a twist. There always th- has to be a I twist. think it
2: was a successful release in that people haven't rided over SBs in fucking years. Yeah. You know? Like I definitely saw that. Yeah. They so, had to
1: close the their booth at ComplexCon. When, the, cause they released it there initially yeah, and they had to shut it down and have it escorted
2: out by, by police. police. Wow. Like literally like a pallet jack yeah. full of <laughs> That's Nike so cool. SBs being escorted out by police. That's like insane. W- name a time in the past, however many, you know, five years, like has that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Nef. So I can't remember any shoe yeah. at that point. So I think definitely SBs are quote unquote back. Um, I, and like we talked about, we, do we have an SB episode? We have so many. We had a skateboarding
1: episodes. Sandy Bodecker episode. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. what it
2: was. Um, Yeah. I think they're back. I think, I don't, I, I get, we talked about why they kind of went out of style, went out of fashion, but I think as they're such an integral part of the sneaker culture yeah. because they kind of made these crazy colorways, like, you know bringing like unrelated inspiration to a sneaker like they made that cool fucking material. Yeah, exactly. They 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 definitely paved the way for what the sneaker game is right now. So, definitely get glad that uh, SB's are back. Okay, so answer this question then because we're all about nostalgia nowadays, yeah.
1: right? And nostalgia can hinder a brand to the point where they know that they can never redo what they did in the past. Yeah. And so that's hard for Nike SB's because Nike SB's at least the colorways that were done before and shit sometimes if you if you know Nike SB's like we do anything after maybe pink box and maybe some black box yeah. SB's no matter how limited or whatever never did as good as those from from brown silver to pink yeah and just within the brand that's hard you know like to to cover your tracks and be like oh we can make something just as good you know but we have so much nostalgia nowadays that I feel like making new colors, like building a story, building any sort of hype around these shoes, it's not in no way going to bring it anywhere close to what it used to be.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the initial SB releases, the ones that are really popular, for instance, like we talked about this before, like you have people's like grails, like you cannot get them anywhere else. Paris Dunks, Tokyo Dunks, yeah. whatever, like those supreme dunks whatever like whatever your grail is like i think since like you said we are so nostalgic we always look back to those colorways those shoes and we put them on such a high pedestal that it's you can't really top it exactly exactly and i mean you
1: could look at some of the most like basic colorways of nike SB. look at like and like for for any sb head you look at something like like a vamp right it's black with the red swoosh and a red outsole. Yeah, that is it. But and you look at a at a, at a new release like like the the black pigeon dunk, right? Yeah. It, there's a fucking pigeon on it. People were killing people for this pigeon. Yeah, in the same colorway, and it's sitting right. Like w- there's that that nostalgia piece plays such a big role in how good these things do. That I don't think SB can ever make a full comeback the way, same way that Jordans has not been able to. Like maintain like the height of Jordan's shoes. Yeah. Um, but I just I I don't know, man. It like if you you gotta if you look at all the shoes that re- have released recently and them trying to bring back Nike SB Dunks, you have the what the Dunks that did pr- okay, right? Yeah. though I actually like those a lot. Like the like new, the recent the new, release. The yeah, recent yeah. I actually like those a lot. You had like the 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 flips of the De La Dunks. Yep. You had um like like I said the Black Pigeons the new Diamonds like. You can do they, these brands can do their best in making it, but everyone's still gonna revert back to the old shit. Yeah, which sucks because now those prices are gonna go up because those are steals, man. Those are all steals right now on eBay if you really look at them.
2: It's it's hard if it's hard to, you know, outdo yourself if you set the bar so high initially. Yeah. I mean, I think that just for streetwear in general, like if you come out with some crazy shit. In the, in the future it's going to be hard to like top like your best like you're like oh fuck that was my peak it's yep. all downhill from here you know yeah but uh i think slowly but surely like sb is making a comeback but i don't think it's going to be on such like a huge scale as we've seen um although like skateboarding like skating is kind of being becoming like more mainstream like i see everybody skating these days i don't skate personally yeah uh, fuck you. If you say I'm a poser for SBs, (laughs) hate you. Uh, But I mean like, yeah, to to
1: your point, like, um, skateboarding is mainstream streetwear is mainstream, but like the, the, just the availability of some of these SB dunks, at least like around the time that we were really into it, it's not mainstream. (laughs) Like you only, you're not going to find them like you used to be able to find them. Right. And the new stuff sucks and the old stuff is hard to find. So, um, they're not making retros like they are with Jordan, right? You can't just go to your local uh, Foot Locker and buy a pair of True Blue 3s, the same ones that were released in however long ago. Yeah. So it's not not gonna be as easy. So obviously we talked about in the last episode about Streetwear Economics 101, the demand's gonna go up and the price is gonna go up. And guess who's gonna be buying off white shit because nobody else wants it anymore? That's gonna be me. (laughs) oh man oh man okay i want to get into this interview it was a good one man for 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 all of you that are still listening to this podcast man make sure on black friday november 23rd you guys come out to the payout man we got some of the best djs in the bay area and we also got some of the best merchandise in the bay area myself and nate have been working hard and we're still working on getting this merch out and my brother, I'm not going to call him Little because he's taller than me, but my brother, um, owner and co-founder of Jaded Course, who we're going to be featuring in the interview next, uh, so stay tuned. Also going to have his merchandise there. He's going to be talking a little bit about you know, how he first got interested in streetwear, and I'm not going to put it out there, I'm not going to flex, but it was really just me who introduced him to it. <laughs> but he's going to talk a little bit about his roots, about um, how he transitioned from from basketball to, to skateboarding, what skateboarding means to to his introduction into streetwear, and how to pretty much run a brand from A to Z. So if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about that, stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Enjoy the interview. So today we have a very special episode. And when I say special, I mean special. And it's for a multitude of reasons. One, because he's my own brother. And and two, um, I always like interviewing that of brand owners, people who, you know, start their own brands from, from basic, basic idea to actually, you know, getting a shirt on somebody's back. And not only is this something that he's been doing for a very, very long time, but my brother's been doing Jaded Course for how many, how many years would you say? Maybe five, five years, five years is a long time. And to, to have that momentum to keep going is, is amazing. So Welcome, my own brother Jason. Say say what's up to the people. Man. Yo,
0: what's up, guys? What's it's, up?
1: It's been a very long time coming to have you on the podcast. It has. It has. It's been over close to a year. I remember when we first started recording. Like I, my the whole agenda behind doing No Chance podcast was to interview people that were starting their own brands or people that already had their own clothing brands and and reach out to them and hear about their stories, hear about how they got into streetwear. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a test. Like it's a, it's a, it's a huge test to, to, to the things that you do to, that shows like, man, like it takes not only money and creativity, but it takes, you know, a bit of hard work and et cetera. But before we get into, you know, more about your brand, let, let's, let's go into your, your first experiences with, with streetwear. How did, how did you get into streetwear?
0: Well, a lot of my influence in streetwear has been involved with, the people around me um growing up i've been lucky enough to do things that that really escalated to what streetwear is today um uh and first off i wanted to say that i would have never thought that i would be talking about JD chorus on a po- on a streetwear podcast so shout out you and and i you never thought i'd have me. an actual
1: streetwear podcast That's and, first. it's one of us. the
0: best out there shout out up, up rocks you know <laughs> the shout out there yep um but yeah streetwear it's honestly all the people that i i've been i hanged around with um my brothers they really set the set the standard for what streetwear is in my in my eyes but to go all the way back it's probably been started with basketball basketball yeah basketball was a huge part of my it still is a huge part of my life i still play it till till today if anyone wants to see me you know (laughs) but uh yeah no challenge honestly it was people that i looked up to when i was playing basketball like um like Tracy McGrady and Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was the biggest influence in my basketball career. Just I, I used to always dress like him while playing basketball. Yep. That's that's how I set my standard as far as what I what I wear made my performance better. So I I you know I keep tabs on <laughs> all the new shoes that are coming out, and that's where I got to ended up wearing Jordan. I mean, collecting Jordans at a young age. Yeah. And that's where all the the, the shoes came in. Um, but yeah, honestly, Allen Iverson, he he said, um, he he was a really big influence on me. Um, if you if you
1: if you had any if you had the long enough hair, you would probably had uh, cornrows or something. Man, That's how I, inspired you were. I remember you used to wear like one arm sleeves. Those and were socks. High. Those high socks. Long. The one long sock. As a, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. It goes back to basketball and um myself too. I mean, I used to play basketball, but. We always used to look up to that of the people that were doing it, you know, at the highest level. I mean, those were always the inspiration. So the Allen Iverson, Jordan. You ask anybody in in in, in streetwear and pop culture as a kid, you know, you look up to those those people who can do things that you've always wanted to do. So you're playing
0: basketball, right? Were you were, were you any good? Were you, I'm oh, sure you man, killed it. I, was, I remember you I was, be killing it. I was killing it on every team I was on. I mean, if you had me on the team, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but uh. I was like LeBron. Any team I was going on, we had a championship <laughs> contention.
1: I I would attest to that, and and sort of and roll that down, but it's a, an, an actual fact. My my favorite memory is him being on this this team when he was younger. It was it was through a uh, like a Christian Catholic school, Saint Joseph's, Saint Joseph's, Joseph's, um, out here in the East Bay, and the coach would would swear by this. He would name one of their like key inbound plays after you. And I don't think anybody on the opposing team ever understood that or decided to guard you when they heard your name. But that was always one of my favorite things, because you would hear a kid just yell out, Jason, 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 and everybody would act like man. they wouldn't, wouldn't know what to do at that point. But um, OK, so you get you get to basketball, right? You you start seeing like all these um, all your favorite players. They're, they're wearing all these crazy colored shoes um during that time in the NBA when when you were young it was when the sort of free dress policy was enacted right so like Allen Iverson was dressing crazy he had the the at one point he had the half braids other half fro um the caps with the fitted caps the, the questions the Reebok questions were huge um so how did that how does that sort of play into um into sort of how you dressed and like your sort of inspiration for, for as a kid, especially, you know, it, how did that, you know, mold you into into who you are?
0: Well, yeah, like I said, um, when I was playing basketball, a lot of what I wore determined what my performance was. So that kind of transitioned to everyday wear. I would start wearing things that I thought were really cool and make me look like, you know, unstoppable on the streets. Just, you yeah. know, stunning on, you know, Jordans that not all the kids had, just knowing, you know, Certain shoes that 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 were mainly for just basketball, but I'd rock them outside of basketball. Yeah. So
1: that translation from on the court to off the court yep. really started to show as you, as you got a bit older. I know you used to skate. You still skateboard. I know you do. Um, how does that play into into into, play, into playing basketball, especially playing it at a high level? You know, playing it from from middle school all the way throughout high school, and and how does the, those those two are. are are meant to conflict with each other, right? You can't be skateboarding while you're playing basketball at the highest level.
0: It was an awkward stage in my life. I think um, just being introduced to skateboarding by my brothers, you, mostly Drew. He was the one who had the only skateboard in the house. Yeah, But um, yeah, I just picked it up and just like basketball, it was seamless. It was pretty fun. I, I got to ride around. I started learning tricks little by little. But those simple tricks like doing an ollie up the curb was like, so mind-blowing to me it was amazing and I from there on I just that feeling just kept with me and I just kept wanting to skate so at one point it did conflict with like playing basketball you know I was pretty much playing basketball all year round my parents were kind of like you know you're gonna get hurt skating
1: which is a fact and you will get hurt skating and and think about it at the time that you were learning how to skateboard was still around the time that you were still getting better and better in basketball so like when you and for anybody that knows how to skateboard, your first year and a half, first two years of learning how to skateboarding, how learn how learning how to skateboard, sorry, are the most gruesome sometimes because you got to understand like this is it is not easy. And uh, Eric, I think it was P. Rod, Paul Rodriguez, professional skateboarder, made this 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 quote one time. And if it's not him, it might have been Eric Austin, but he he referenced back to this quote on on his passion for basketball and that of skateboarding and basically says, you know, like, you give me 100 tries to make a three-pointer on a professional basketball court, I'll probably make it just based off of chance and luck. But if you give those same 100 chances to a basketball player and you tell them, hey, learn how to kickflip, it's not happening. No, And that's the difference in difficulty and just the, the understanding that basketball and skateboarding, I mean and and the the likes of them go hand in hand like skaters love basketball basketball players love skateboarding but that like level of difficulty it's it's so beyond <laughs> the one and, of the, one another and
0: that's why reason why I kept skating and, and and people at that time thought it was weird how I was skating and playing basketball but at the same time like you said bas like it just kept with my competitive spirit as far as trying new things and like I said, like this awkward stage where I was skating with like T-Max on, like yeah. I wasn't, I was like in the that weird position, but, at, but there's people like I looked up to when I grow and growing older that made it more normalized. Like a lot of the artists that I listened to, shout out Odd Future, Yeah, that was a huge, um, that was a huge um, thing in my life because they made it seem like, yo, you can be who you want to be. You yeah. can't be afraid of. You know, if you're playing basketball and skating like that should be normal. If you're good at it, then damn, like keep going. Yeah,
1: exactly. And um, and in in regards to skating, like, do you remember some of your like everybody has their their first memories when it comes to skateboarding? Like, do you remember your first board? Do you remember the first trick you landed? Like how like how excited you were, like when those things happened? Do you have any like super fond memories of those? biggest
0: memory I have was definitely owing up a curb. Yeah, all in was itself was like you know you can do it. You can, you you can tell your friend, your friends would be like, yeah, you, your back truck got off like an inch. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> did it, you did it. But to me, it was alling up a curb, and once I finally did that, I was jumping for joy. I was so juiced. and then uh, the other tricks started coming along. And then once you tested to either going down the curb or up the curb, that's when you knew you had that that trick yep. down. Yep. But also, it's just like my friends, they all started kind of skateboarding. The neighborhood was popping with skate just all, all of us were just starting fresh basically and we just would go around especially to our the school right down the street from us and we would just skate all day and I just remember we didn't have phones or anything really back then but you'll just hear skate you could hear skating from a mile away and that's when you knew like hey like yo it's time to skate yeah yeah it was pre social media you know pre
1: widely used cell phones it was just by word of mouth and you know i remember those those days super fondly especially like the summer days of waking up at eight o'clock a.m going straight to the schoolyard skating all day till lunchtime coming back home playing a bunch of video games eventually getting tired of them and then going out to skate again until you know until nighttime that's all we did for like summers and summers on end now Explain how this all ties back to, to, to you getting into streetwear. What are those early years of streetwear for yourself, and, and, and eventually how it turns into that of your own brand? Like, explain how you start to become. I, t- I call it this transition between consumer to creator.
0: Oh yes. Right,
1: and, and eventually we all get tired of consuming, and we want to start making our own stuff. Right, we say, I can do it better than they can. When did you start? When did that consumer mindset start? Like when when were you able to start buying from certain brands? And what brands did you like start to like look after as a young kid?
0: So when the skateboarding phase came into my life, it was mainly S- Nike SBs. Those were a hit. That was like prime era too. You, you were on it since the jump and then that just got me into it. And then little brands like Girl and Lakai, I was rocking that a lot. And then it, it escalated to like diamond and huff and huge that's when i was like wow like these skaters skater owned brands have their own clothing and have their own shops like that's what i want to do i want to at first i was like i want to work there i want to just be sponsored i just i just wanted to be a part of that but then it, it turned to the point where like i can do it myself but that's
1: a good point that's a really good point that you mentioned is that You just started off skating, right? When you start to see your favorite skaters, you start to see your older siblings, the people that tend to be like your source of inspiration. They're wearing this brand, right? Like you don't even know what brand this is at first. You're just like, holy shit, like Eric Costin is skating so well, but... I want to wear everything he wears. Like I don't even yes. know what he's wearing, but I want to look just like him when just I like skate. Alan right? Iverson. Yeah, exactly. And that that inspiration comes, and that's something that originates in you from from very very young, from your basketball days. So you look at someone like Eric Costin. He's wearing a, at the time, a Diamond Supply Co. T-shirt. And now you're into the world of streetwear, whether or not you wanted to or not, or whether or not you knew you were. So some of those early brands, right? Do you have any of those experiences? You know, like going to your first shop, because those those first moments are, are pretty intimidating, and that whole experience is could be you know fairly new for for a lot of
0: younger kids. Well, it started off going to like zoomies yeah zoomies and like little local mainland mainland. mainland was around but then when i actually went to huff in the city yeah shout out H- keith huff nagle man that changed my life that store structured it was it was totally different from any other skate shop i've been to it, it, it was like it was like three stores it was three right stores to each yeah. other which is ridiculous to this day and honestly that i couldn't have been exposed to any of those brands if it wasn't for you like, I, I, I personally didn't say, hey, mom, can we go to Huff? Like, that was you.
1: You never... It, it wasn't something that you knew about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was crazy just to walk in that store and just... Just in the like beginning of my skateboarding career, being exposed by that, it was just like, all right, like this is this is what I want. This is my passion. I love this.
1: Yeah, especially in, when you were younger, it was around the time that I was getting into forums. Right, the internet was huge. Forums were big, especially Hypes, uh Nike SB, Nike SB talk, talk uh, Nike talk. Like those were huge. So a lot of the research and word of mouth about all these stores and all these releases were done on these forums. So. When I was on them and I was doing research, I was finding out about these stores and what they had. And some of those first memories of going into these stores were my favorite also. Like one of my first boards, maybe my second or third board, I remember getting it at Mainland. The board was a Mainland board, but I knew nothing about like putting together my own deck. My my older brother, our older brother showed me and I was like, oh man, I don't have grip tape, right? Like I, I don't have grip tape. I remember the first time I ever went to the Huff store. Um, it was from a, we took a field trip to San Francisco to go see a play. And after the play, we were supposed to get on BART and our parents had just pick a, picked us up at BART, whatever. Me and some of my friends were like, wait, if we're in the city, let's just go to Huff. It's maybe like a couple blocks up the street. Let's just go there. So I went there for the first time and I looked around and I was like, holy crap. Like, this is amazing. This is like everything I saw on the forums that people talked about. I didn't have any money at the time. And I think the only thing that I was able to get was a sheet of grip tape. And that sheet of grip tape oh, I put on I one of my first that. boards. Yep. And to this day it's like one of my my fondest memories. But when you talk about some of these stores and you just going in, like what, what were you feeling? Like what did you see? You know, like you know, there's a there's a lot more than just skateboards at 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 Huff and uh, could, do you remember like what it is that you saw and just sort of like your mindset and like going into some of these stores for the first time?
0: Yeah, I mean, especially the Huff on Sutter Street back in the day. Now it's undefeated. But back in the day, it was Sutter, it was basically the same format as the, as the undefeated today. Yeah, they had the shoe wall one side and then they had a little corner with all the Huff product. Once I saw that shoe wall, I was blown away because it wasn't just skateboarding shoes. It had, you know, Nike sportswear. It had it had um
1: like Adidas, Adidas uh others like other random sports where Jordans brands. like yeah, it Jordan's was all it
0: was a store all in one and I was like this is me this is skateboarding this is basketball like I want to work here this is my career like I want this to be my career yeah that's that's my first memories when I was thinking like hey like these aren't two different entities these these are it looks like it's just going to be you know one whole culture and that's how it is today.
1: And it made you feel more comfortable exactly. because you're you always had this, you know, this dichotomy between basketball playing and skateboarding. And you're always told like, hey, you can't do one if you're doing the other. And now you come into this world where both of them are being sold at the same place and your favorite skaters are at the basketball games yeah. and playing basketball and you're just like, Man,
0: like I can do this. This this is a, a world that I want to be a part of. Now Yo, real quick, I just want to shout out those people back then that said I was a skateboarder and I couldn't hoop anymore just because I, I dressed like a skater <laughs> or vice versa, because nowadays everyone wears the same thing. This is true. And I was ahead of the way. This is true. So pop
1: culture. Thank you to all you guys. It, pop culture. Streetwear is now pop culture, so you're seeing it everywhere, right? You're seeing the J.R. Smith with the Supreme exactly, like tattoo, and everything's starting to starting to mix together. and We talk about it on every episode. So then talk about why brand. You know, and before we get into the history of Jaded Course, what's the what's the mindset for yourself after consuming all these brands? And I'm sure, like, from the first time you went to Huff until now, you're still a fan. We're all still fans, right? Even when it comes to skateboarding, you can't get away from skateboarding, even if you tried. So explain, like, are you a very, are you a creative person? Like, would you consider yourself, like, creative in, in what sense? Like, some of us are drawers, some of yeah, us are definitely. photographers. Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean... JD course is my creative canvas like I, I don't I'm not the greatest drawer I don't you know I'm, I'm not the greatest painter but I consider myself a creative just the fact that I have a bunch of these influences that want me to create a product based off everyone that I've looked up to so that's what JD course pretty much is is an expression of myself
1: Nice. So it's a, so it's your creative outlet. Yeah. Some of us are. I mean, some of us are lucky lucky enough to ha- have our creative outlet play, pay our bills, which you are actually fortunate enough to do. So let's get into that. What is Jaded Course, and how did that how did that name start, and why did it start? Well, the
0: first, where we have, uh, which is Jaded, um, it's a huge word for us. Shout out um, Jay Coffee, which is uh, my co-owner. He pretty much came up with that name. Jaded, just the fact that it just made sense. Uh, jaded means, you know, you're tired of the same old thing. You're tired of the same old bullshit. Like, you want a different change. You you want to do something that, you know, splits that system. If the system is, if you break the system, if the system is breaking you. So, Jaded and Chorus is basically a, a movement of saying, hey, like, you need we need to just, Change it up a little bit, you know. Like it, it, we want something that's timeless, uh, nothing, nothing that's gonna, you're gonna get tired of.
1: I like that. It's a, it's a constant, almost like a constant change or a constant need for change. And I, ne- I never knew like that was sort of um, the background of the name. It always struck me as you just looking for two words that made sense for both of your guys' initials. Oh yes. But the term makes sense, and a lot of the time, like people will create names for brands that don't always pan out or don't always represent that of themselves, right? Like we can there's a lot of a lot of names of of brands, right? Like you, you think about a brand called Rip and Dip. Like what what is that? Like what does that symbolize in, in regards to your brand, right? Now usually brands go two ways. They use it as a creative outlet and they do things for the culture or they do things for money. Right. And you, you, you hear that when you when you listen to these interviews with a lot of brand owners, it's um, I'm only in it for the money, you know like this is a business. then there's also the people like Bobby Hundreds is a good example. Like this brand started as a a movement of my creative expression. We want it to be like our artwork and resemble us, right? So there's two dichotomies here. What di- where do you guys fall on that line? I mean, honestly business and being creative
0: growing up i mean you know, me and jay coffee which we both had a, the similar business mind and also creative creative side as well um just me as i was growing up always you know flipping flipping shoes yep. supreme um but that wasn't the case for of course i think when the idea sparked of these hoodies um for our first for our first That's collection your first
1: your first collection right yeah, yeah
0: um which i'll get to in a second um it was just mainly to just make it for the homies, make it for our our people at school that we thought would gravitate towards it. I mean, I gotta give a lot of high praise to um, JD, who pretty much came up with that idea of these sweaters that um, had this patch a fabric on top of the the kangaroo pouch like a like a hooded
1: sweatshirt not not a zip right yeah
0: not a hooded sweater not i mean a hooded sweater not a zip up and at that time i never saw that on a hoodie at all and the fact that we found like these dope floral fabrics and wave fabrics and put them on there people were oh no no the the tribal print yeah the tribal i remember that was the one that set off um for the most part on 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 our first drop which was amazing
1: so how did how did the process go? You know, like, um, it, it, like it, the sweaters just don't fall in your lap. the 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 fabric just doesn't fall in your lap. You yet you, you need a manufacturer, somebody to to sew this stuff. What was, how do you find this information? Especially as a kid, when when people did not like to release their information about how to start a clothing brand. It was it it just was a always a, a kept secret between people.
0: Where do you find this information to like learn how to do it? We just had to go out of our way and research the hell out of all the steps that we had to go through. I mean, me and JD went through the start to finish to figure out how to make these work. And luckily, our friend, our good friend Josh, his grandma came through and actually stitched our first set of hoodies Hand in sticks. her garage, <laughs> in her garage. And they came out beautiful. Like it was like we struck gold. And at that point it did, it spoke for itself. Like our, our first drop pretty much sold out and we were just like in shock because we didn't know how to keep up with this. Yeah. this, this I want to
1: anal- analyze your first piece real quick. And, um, because there's a lot of, a lot of, um, elements to a, a first piece and most people, they just want to print on a t-shirt because the cost of entry is really low you can sell a lot you could sell them for a higher markup than what they're worth sweaters cost a bit right so let's talk about why a sweatshirt as your first item to release and and did you have like and you so sew, you sewed on tags to them right right yep, yep. That, so why that, why why
0: start so why start high well like you said um the whole printed t-shirt thing me and JD, we pushed boundaries. We were like, like, like I said, we have a very similar mindset. So we didn't want to start off with anything very simple. And at the time, actually, JD beforehand, he was pretty much doing little things like printed t-shirts yeah. and stuff like that. But the whole hoodie came about was, it was going into um, January. So around that winter time, um, that was a huge step. You know, you have to kind of plan according what season it is and then the the tags came from diamond diamond you know, oh the, yeah the, they used the to have little, the little tags on the, side. on the side that that was influenced by diamond and then um that kind of just made it official we wanted to make it look we didn't want it to come into the game thinking like oh it's just you know this is another brand these kids are doing as we were kids at the time too yeah. so like
1: you wanted to be taken seriously yeah
0: exactly i like that
1: and that's important right your first project sometimes dictates that of what's to follow So what what followed the first release? What happened when you released those sweatshirts?
0: Man, we had a lot of buzz and it wasn't just in our school either. It spread like wildfire. Um, At the time, I didn't realize what what was happening. Um, JD definitely, you know, he he was looking in the future and he was like, yeah, this this is this is it. Even people like uh, India Love at the time hit us up, like and a famous Instagram model. Yes, that that girl she hit us up, and we thought she was a fake, fake uh, scammer, fake pro catfishing, catfishing. <laughs> but it was really her, and she wanted a sw- a sweater really badly. Um, we couldn't we couldn't keep up with that, but eventually we did give it to her. She didn't shout us out, but still shout out her because she just, wore
1: it on like a social media post and everything.
0: Yeah, everything. But it was it was too it was later on at the, after the time that she really wanted it. But we can't complain because it was just another another like s- step or idea where we're like, hey, this is going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And do you think that
1: like having somebody like her? I mean, at the time she's she's famous and everything, but knowing that people want your product is a is an reinforcement that you, you're you're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, but it was definitely stressful. Of, of course Because we couldn't Keep up with the demand That we Well I mean Of course we're thinking Like yeah These are gonna sell out or These are gonna do really good But how do we Back back it up How do we Do a whole nother Collection When our When our friend's Grandma was already like Hey I'm I'm, I'm d- tired uh, From I'm threaded it out. Yeah yeah. it threaded out Like you guys gotta Find someone else And that's when we were like ah, oh, shit, like, what are we going to do now? Like, how are we going to go about this next drop? Like, it's all, all the pressures on us. Like, the second the second wave is always the test. It's true. The sequel is always the most important.
1: And you see that with any popular movie, any first collection. But the hardest part is, what is my second collection, right? Everybody always gets pinholed into the first thing that they release, especially when it does really good, that everybody expects that for them and it defines their brand right think about and you, you could look at it from a, a musical standpoint as well like a rapper that has a number one hit for their first song is always pigeonholed into this one hit wonder um n- like title right so once you release those sweaters and they go off and boom and manifest itself into this crazy thing now you're a legitimate brand or maybe not necessarily le- legitimate off the bat but now you're a brand that people know of so how do you top the first one? What was your mindset? Did you expand production? How do you expand production? How do you like find other resources? What did you do next?
0: Well, since since um our friend's grandma was burnt out from the hoodies, yeah, of course, we actually just settled with uh, some printed T-shirts, and um, I think that was a right step in the in in the dr- right direction because it was a little bit affordable, and we were able to like disperse it out to our homies. It was pretty much like a promo tee. Uh, it was a simple black shirt with the jaded script on the back, jaded core script on the back and our logo, a left chest. Um, that went on for a little bit. And then after that, we kind of just, we moved forward and, and tried out new things, which, which we'll get to in a second.
1: Yeah. So uh, real quick, cause I, uh, I wanted to ask this earlier, but when starting a brand, obviously you have a name, right? You have an idea for a logo now it requires a bit of creative effort to make these things manifest into graphics, right? I know myself, like us sort of planning out merchandise for the event that we have coming up and also um, doing graphic design and video production for our ad and our podcast. That's something that I had to learn, right? So was it either you or, or, or JD that had to like learn how to create graphics, prepare
0: them for printing? um how did that come into play well like i said before i wasn't that creative as far as like on the computer or drawing but i mean i had my creative side like i know my influences and designs i really fucked with but jd was really the one who had the skills as far as putting it into a putting it into online like having it having it designed online Um, That was one step. And after that, I feel like he pretty much took on that that role of, you know, our ideas, getting it onto the screen. Yeah.
1: And make and making it a thing. Right. It's it's not it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. It takes a know how some of these really, really complicated programs like Illustrator and Photoshop. And I I recommend anybody listening to this, being able to learn at least Illustrator and Photoshop. It, even if you don't have a brand or whatever, but being able to use those two programs will get you very, very far in life. So now you have, you have your name, right? You have, what, what was the sort of
0: idea behind the logo? Uh, basically, we wanted our logo to have our initials. Both of us have our initials of JC. And after, after we figured out that, after we figured that out, we were like, okay, how are we going to kind of put these two together? Because we are, we're, Jaded course. Yeah. And JD just happened to just start messing around on Photoshop and just was like, boom, click. And then we just ended up being the J and the C's just kind of like cross, cross with each other. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's it. That's, that's the logo.
1: It, it is a great logo. I, I, I'm i going to have to admit. And it's some of that, sometimes the ones that become so, or, so organic and just, happen so easy you know like sometimes there's logos that are just too complicated for itself you know and it takes away from what it is but I think the the logo that you guys have is actually it's it's very well thought out and super nice now you when you when you explain this sort of relationship between you and JD it reminds me a lot of of that of like a Bobby and Ben hundreds um, mentality so is one of you a bit more creative than the others? The other one more business mindset, or do you guys sort of like just wear a bunch of different hats all the time?
0: Yeah, I I think it, it interchanges a lot. I mean, he has a lot of Bobby Hundreds in him, especially he, that's what he looked up to a lot. Um, ben Hundreds, but on the other hand, like I could I could be him, but I, again, like there's there's certain s- stages in 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 JD Course where we pretty much switched off, with we want each other. But that was the, that was the key to pretty much maintaining a brand, I mean, you have to have a lot of collaboration, and especially, I'm, I'm thankful to have um, JD, like, partnered with him, because, like, he knows me since, like, like, we've been homies since, like, second grade, like, that was probably, like, my first homies that I ever met, moving to Hercules, and since then, like, we've been playing basketball together, we went to the same daycare together, we, we made skate videos together, like, all that kind of came, came into, we trust came with trust, so once we started designing and business, like we trust one another's intuition as far as like what's the next move.
1: So not everybody has like that that relationship with a uh, within partnerships, especially when it comes to business, right? So, is there anything that you would recommend for somebody like say who they're doing it by themselves? Maybe they're not as creative, and maybe they're more business mindset. Maybe they don't have the idea. What sort of recommendations would you give to a person listening to be like? This is this is how you should approach partnerships and stuff like that within biz, within streetwear brands.
0: I'd say don't be afraid to ask questions. Everyone that you're working with or like if you so-called work with alone, you're eventually going to have to, you know, find make connections and find people who can do your production. Be friends with them. You know, a lot of the people I, I do production with, I'm really close to them. I trust what they do and they teach me and once once you get that relationship you, you pretty much are in good hands and I think the be, the best thing to do is pretty much be yourself and be open
1: um, no definitely making relationships with the people that you work very closely with whether it is like a designer a, a, a manufacturer is very very important within the last week I don't know how many different t shirt manufacturers i had to go through just to get this one design panned out and i know like as long as i
0: maintain this communication with them then this is something that we can build a relationship for a long long time yeah and that like 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 i said it's not easy at all we've been through so many screen printers and and embroiders and it's been tough because when we were like doing this in an early age people didn't really take us serious they would come back to us like Where's your vector format? We need this. We need that. And we're like, what? What is all this stuff? We literally had to go through the whole... We had to learn the whole process. And that pretty much set us where we are now. Because we're still learning today, don't get me wrong. But we know the key steps to, to get our order ready. And
1: you know, it's trials and tribulations, right? It's all trick of the trade. And so so do you have any like horror stories? Like your first couple horror stories of, of, of having the brand? Like any like, you know production fuck-ups
0: or man definitely a lot of them but the one huge production fail was um we since like like i said our um our friend's grandma was burnt out so i had to go to someone new and i went to this we were going around different laundromats that did altercations and i found one in richmond and she said she can do it but i went so i gave her all her hoodies it was about over two dozen hoodies and that's like 500 dollars plus a lot and on top of that the production was like five ten dollars for each hoodie yeah so i i gave it gave her these hoodies and when she gave them back to me oh my god I i was i was i was so hot because they were so fucked up I'm talking about the designs were turned around, stitching was all out, like I could literally rip the fabric off if I wanted to. And that's what I had to do. I literally had to rip every fabric off the hoodies and just leave leave them bank blank again.
1: So what do you learn from moments like that? Because a lot of people would just give up, right? Like you invest money into it and and you just you want the best quality work for 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 the money that you put in and sometimes people don't have the the luxury of spending that type of money, right? So what what do you have to do in that moment to reassure yourself that, you know,
0: like this is just going to happen? Yeah, I mean, like we've been through this a lot and I think you just have to be really patient with yourself and know that, you know, those are lessons learned. And you know that the next time you you do a production order, it's going to be spot on. Like you're going to you're going to you're going to look at every little detail to make sure what you want that you envision is coming out to high it is in real life, and going through all those challenges and tribulations, like I'm thankful for it. Really, like that—that that, that's what taught me to 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 make stuff today a lot better. So, so uh, this show
1: is in this podcast is it, there's a purpose behind it, right? I I want those that are listening that are like yourself five years ago who hesitate on starting a brand or maybe don't have enough money or just have this amazing idea that they want to do something. Now you have the platform to tell them, what do you tell those people?
0: I just say, be yourself. Um, don't let anyone else think that you can't do it. I, I heard a lot of, I had to really motivate, motivate myself to, to, to keep going. Cause there was a lot of times where people or just life in general was like, nah, this ain't for you but i heard a lot of good great advice i don't like the, the artists i looked up to they were always say like hey like i started from the dirt but now look at me like i'm famous like i i did this shit like on my own in the garage just you know cooking up beats like that's yeah. how that's my that's how i kind of gravitated towards that hustle it was like it little things like this it, it, it's not gonna kill me it, it's a bad day but it ain't a bad life like i'm, I'm gonna get this skin. you're like
1: a like a trap rapper in, in making Man. your own brand <laughs> exactly so trap 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 brandon, tra- trap brandon. <laughs> so so then what advice do you give them you know like well, what what's what is some of the like, the necessary uh, tricks of the trade that they, they should have when they're sort of jumping into this into this. If you're jumping into this, you have to
0: be very passionate about what you're putting out has to really represent yourself because if, if not and it's just a facade, you're not you know, you're not doing it for anyone else. But yeah, I, I
1: I think that's that that's true to say that and in that a lot of brands like if, if they don't if it's not something that you wake up if, if it's not something that you're a part of like emotionally then it's not going to pan out exactly. because if you don't believe the name or you don't believe the 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 lo- your main logo if you don't believe in that stuff it's easy to just be like ah it's I'm not going to put any more money into if this if you
0: if you if you can't sleep because of like designs you're thinking of then that's when you know that it's something and also whenever you're you're doing something as far as like building a brand always give back you know always show the appreciation and love that people that show support to you like that's the that's been huge to me i keep honestly keep going because there's little little things that people say to me that uh, that i'm just like astonished by like hey i really have something going because people ask me like hey when's the next job like wh- wh- what you what you guys got going i'm just like damn i'm gonna get to work right now yeah
1: One of my favorite quotes or one of my favorite sayings is actually from one of my favorite podcasts, The Brilliant Idiots. I listened to them for, you know, for five years almost. And one of the things that one of the main hosts says is, you know, you make your art for the people that are currently supporting you, not for the people that aren't right. So you, you don't, you don't tailor your message. You don't tailor anything for that of the people you're trying to impress. You make it for the people that already love it. So for those that are listening, if you have one friend that loves the type of stuff that you do, make it for him. Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Don't care about those haters. Yeah. They won't get you anywhere. Exactly. And do your research, right? Research, research,
1: research. You know, the world is so, is so closely knit together now with that of internet and social media, man. There's so many opportunities to just learn from other people that are already doing it. Right. Like there's so many forms, so many YouTube videos. I mean, YouTube videos, man, how to screen print a shirt, how to, prepare your art prepare your your design to be printed like all that stuff is out there the time that you were starting there was probably only like a, a zazzle where you could just like like sh- like send your design to this yep. random company and they'll send it on some
0: bullshit like oh, american like an iron, Apparel t-shirt iron, like an and iron, iron on it right yeah. like yeah the no, resources are there now. But definitely a lot of research. We didn't have the resources we have today. Like you can print a shirt on Instagram. Like you can oh, yeah. find screen printers, embroiderers or, or like shops that will let you, you know, do your thing as a brand. But honestly, a lot of research, years of research got us to where we are today. So what does
1: starting a brand teach you? What does having a brand teach you? Right? Because you've been in this for about five years. So what is, what does it teach you? What is having that brand teach you uh, uh, mostly about
0: yourself? Cause it's not easy. It taught me that, you know, what you're passionate about, it, 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 it drives you honestly. Like I, I would keep going because I know that this is something I love. It's not something that I would just, you know, do for the, for the clout or, or the money. Yeah. that That's where it starts. Honestly.
1: That's 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 a very good point. So what's next? You, you got collection coming out. You got a new season. What can the people expect um, from you guys um, to be releasing
0: within the, you know, fairly shortly, I'm hoping. So our past few collections actually have been a little bit more themed, orientated. Um, we're doing a lot more different pieces. So this collection right here, it's all camoed out themed. We have totally different pieces from... Hoodies to beanies to chucker hats to camping chairs, camping all camoed chairs. out. Like oh yeah, camping chairs. I said it. Camping chairs. What's the chairs. inspiration behind it? Like why? Why? Honestly. The camping chair is very, very useful. That's not, true. I can not, use one in my apartment. You can honestly, you can make it look stylish. You can you can camp with it. You can camp with shoes for it. That's like, true. That's, it's that's for all changer. occasions.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And so, what's the? Uh, is that something that you guys have been going about like that? That sort of thinking for for like collections to come is like let's build something that's put together that has you know an idea behind it rather than just random pieces
0: yeah definitely a, a story behind it uh and definitely more diverse pieces uh, i got that influence honestly off like the accessories coming out today and like supreme like they make crazy accessories yeah. like who who would thought that a skateboard brand or any brand would make a teddy bear or yeah a boat
1: and they're at that point where they can you know like they don't necessarily have to have a certain idea in mind they're just at the point where whatever they release they could just do whatever the fuck they want
0: and i think it's a lot it's a lot more um unique as far as stuff that i like to make now like recently i made a 3m vest like a, a, a um a like construction, a safety vest. yeah construction safety vest awesome. with our with their logo bright and 3M, like <laughs> skating around the city. That's that's how that's my story behind it. Like I just knew that was something I wanted to make because I can skate around the city and, and people can yeah, just people see that, can see you. that huge see ass logo. That just. is useful. Exactly. <laughs> so that is
1: useful. Okay, so you know you got you got the new season coming out. You you got
0: ideas in mind. Um, where can they where can they find all this stuff? Definitely on our Instagram. Follow us. It's worth it. It's at jadedcourse.com um we're planning on making whole whole a lot a lot more visuals i mean like that was one of my my huge challenges over the years just to be more visual be more vocal um especially now i live in the city it's just an opportunity right in front of me to just be visual be have it ha- yeah. be out there just have do everything it. out there and um also visit our website shopjadedcourse.com um find us at payout you know we're gonna be yep. there with that whole black new collection friday, i just announced number 23rd black friday you know i'm throwing deals out there maybe yep. some free stuff there you go nah there is gonna be free
1: stuff there I'm you go shit out for, there. for those listening like we mentioned in every episode of the basketball episodes at least make sure you guys come out man you got jason and nate both handling the merch they got a nice little installation coming and a lot of good deals and a lot of cool merch Now, is there anything else you got anything else for us uh before we before we End this episode today.
0: Honestly, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has influenced me to this point. Obviously, you've been of huge impact with all the streetwear that I've been put on. My older brother, Drew, and R. Jr. put me on skateboarding. And the music, like... Oh, yeah. The, all the music that influenced me. My friends, JD, Zach. I mean, I can name them all. They all were there at the jump. And they honestly kept it pushing and made more opportunities for JD course, which is why i'm here today so i like to thank all of them mom and dad yeah uh, shout guys. out the
1: parents man you know, shout out they the parents. they did
0: a lot for uh, for me as far as uh jd course you know they, yeah. they helped me with a few you know financial financial situations, financial situations.
1: that's awesome that's awesome uh, well i thank you for coming on to, to this week's episode of no chance podcast it's been a long time and i'm glad you're able to come on to those that are listening make sure you follow at all social sites that it'll be tagged in our, in our episode, but shout it out one more time for those that are listening, where can they find you on, on Instagram and, and and what's your website? One more time.
0: Hey, at JD JD, that's, that's, that's the Instagram you want to look, you want to be at, um, check out our stories for, for new updates on the collection. When that's dropping deals going on, always DM me. Even if you're interested, I'll throw you a shirt right now. Questions or anything. Questions (laughs) or anything. If you want to buy something, DM advice, And also at our website, shopjadedcourse.com. That's perfect. All right, at Jaded
1: Course, you find him, you let him know. You want a free shirt, go hit him up. He said he's down, so let him hold that word to it. So that is this week's episode of the No Chance Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace. Yo, don't forget, if you'd like to continue the conversation, be sure to follow us at No Chance Podcast on all
2: social platforms. And make sure to use the hashtag HeyNoChance so we can see your questions to address on future episodes. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.